this year, free in 2023. Amen? Because I, I believe the Lord wants us to be free. I had another text I was going to draw from, and I'll, I likely will get to that next week. But um, just there's just been a thought in my heart, and something I believe is so vitally important for every individual and for the, the corporate, the entirety of the body of Christ. It is vital. I, I believe it is absolutely necessary, needed, and it is part of us that we need to ask God for his input, and that is vision. Vision. Today I want to I believe, and I want you to believe with me as we start this this service, that God is going to awaken vision. This may be a new vision. This may be a vision that you have forgotten about. But I want you to know it's our God that we serve is a faithful God. And there's times where the Lord will kind of nudge me a little bit, and he'll just say, remember, remember. Remember what I promised, remember what I said, remember what I, I told you I would do. And it's in the remembrance, I believe, that God just begins to awaken that vision. Because the Lord has a vision for your life. He's got a vision. He's got a dream and a purpose. Father, I come before you, Lord, today, and Lord, you know I need you. You know that we cannot, Lord, accomplish anything without you. Father, you've got to go beyond the words that I speak. Lord, you've got to speak the words not only to me, Lord, but through me. Lord, to pierce the hearts, God, to begin to awaken, God, for the eldest to the youngest, I ask, Lord, that there will be a revelation, Lord, an unveiling of, Lord God, of things not known today, that we may walk in the likeness and the image of God. And, Lord, we thank you today in Jesus' name. I want you to look here in Genesis 42. I'm going to, we're skipping ahead in the story in the life of Joseph. This is 22 years after God had given him a vision. But I want you to look now. He has found himself at a place that I don't know that anyone, especially Joseph, could have anticipated that journey. How many, how many would say when you get to the places in your life, you're like, I didn't expect it to be this way? <laughs> I, in fact, if I'd known some places had been so hard, I might not have started the journey. <laughs> Come on, anybody in the balcony with me? Amen. So here we have Joseph, 20, about 22 years after God had promised. And notice this. Now, Joseph was governor over the land. And it was he who sold to all the people of the land. And Joseph's brother came and bowed down before him with their faces to the earth. Joseph saw his brothers and recognized them, but he acted as a stranger to them, spoke roughly to them. Then he said to them, where do you come from? And they said, from a land of Canaan to buy food. So Joseph recognized his brother, brothers, once you notice this in verse 8, but they did not recognize him. Vision will change you. Vision will make you unrecognizable to those that knew you. God's vision in your life will cause them to wonder who you are. 
where you came from. Just a, just a, just a little story before I get into the, the heart of what I want to talk about. Remember the days of Blockbuster? Those bygone days where you had to go and you had to rent the, the, the machine because nobody had those in their house and you got to make sure to rewind the, the tapes or you get charged, you know what I'm saying? We were in our hometown in, in youth pastoring at, at the church where my son now youth pastors. In a video store looking for something decent to watch. And an old school buddy of mine was back there looking. He's like, hey, Mike, man, I haven't seen you. I say, Ralph, how are you? Man, I haven't seen you in a long time. How you doing? Doing great. He said, I said, what are you up to? Oh, not much of nothing. What are you up to? I said, well, I'm a, I'm a minister of the gospel. I'm a youth pastor down the road here. Andrew's my witness. He stopped and he looked. His jaw dropped open and his eyes got really big. And he just stood there. So I make my way up to the counter to check out. And Andrew looks back there. She said, who's that you were talking to? I said, that's Ralph. I went to school with him. I've been to school with him all my life. She said, what'd you do to him? I said, well, I told him what I'm doing now. And literally, it stunned him because he knew me when. He knew the heathen that I was. The vision made me unrecognizable in a sense. So as we look here, verse 9, then Joseph remembered the dreams which he had dreamed about them. Joseph remembered the dreams in which he dreamed about them. Now, as we look at that, I want you to, you can go back in Genesis 37 and you can see the dreams. Joseph, 17 years of age, he comes and he says, oh, guys, are you excited over the fact that I've got a dream? And this dream is you get to bow down to me. Isn't this great? And then he has another dream. And in the other dream, anybody have siblings? Anybody remember the days where you didn't have to wear a seatbelt when you got in the car? Anybody ever fought over the front seat? <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know what I'm saying? It's just built into us. I don't know. It's that sibling rivalry that I think Cain and Abel gave to us way back when. But what we, what we see here is he, he says, okay, now I had a, this first dream was this. There were sheaves, bundles of, of, of wheat in the field. And you, you guys, there was one for each one of you. Now, get this. This is so good. This is the dream, and I believe it's prophetic. I believe God's given me this dream. And you come in and your sheaves bow down to my sheaves. Isn't that good? See, I got daddy's coat of many colors. Uh, I, I'm his favorite. You hate me because uh, my haters are my imitators. You know what I'm saying? I mean, he's, he, he, he's, walk, he's it, it, it just kind of lends to maybe he didn't have the right attitude. We don't know that. We just read that into the text. But then we see, wait a minute, mom and dad, and you guys gather around because I've had another dream. It's the, the same interpretation, but just a different scenario. Now the stars, the moon, and sun, they bow down to me. Oh, did Joseph ever know what journey he was about to go on? In the, the length of then to where he's at now. 
He remembered the dream. The dream is no different for you than it was for him. We can take it and, and, put, and put your picture in the frame, and it's still God's dream for your life. See, because there was a, the wheat in the field, it has a natural outcome, and it also has the stars in the sky. It has a spiritual implication. See, he was not only going to preserve his family in the natural, the covenant people of God, but he is also his life has, and we are reaping the benefits of the spiritual impact of his life. Because it wasn't just Israel that would be saved, but one day Messiah would come forth from Israel, and now we reap the spiritual benefits. I want to say to you, let's not wait to get to heaven before, before we start living in the reality of heaven. Because your life is meant to impact those around you. Meant to impact your children and your children's children. And I believe there's many of those here today that because of circumstance and situations, you have fallen away from the area that God has called you, and I'm calling you back to that place by the Spirit of God, that there is a vision for your life, there is a purpose for your life, and if you're not living in that place, it's time to let the Spirit of the Lord begin to unveil to you your purpose in life. Amen? You know, so we look here. It's the things we need to know about vision. The things we need to know about vision. Vision is not where I'm at. Come on. Vision is not where I start. Vision is, here's Joseph, and he's like, you guys come bow. I'm 17 years of age, and don't you think it's a good time for you to come bow? It, 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 it's the vision God gave him wasn't for that moment. It was for his future. It was for the, the place God would bring him into. And there are times, as we've been talking about in our theme, uh, the series of messages is wilderness to wonderment. God takes us to the wilderness of our own understanding. As Paul blinded Saul on his road to Damascus, uh, God blinded him from where he was at so that he could uh, supernaturally open his eyes to what he should be. Vision, vision, and God takes us to the wilderness of our understanding so that he can get us to that wonderment of what he is going and doing in us. As we look here, we've got to understand this about vision. Vision of the Lord is not based on my abilities. If it was, it's a pretty feeble vision that I have. If, if I thought that my oration was enough to bring transformation to your life, let me tell you, I would be a fool standing up here just blabbering at you. If the Holy Spirit is not anointing the words that I speak, if he's not penetrating the heart, if he's not going into the deep recesses of your spirit and your mind and transforming you, then everything we're doing here today is for naught. I thank God for the worshipers that get up and lead us into worship each Sunday. 
But it's more than just good singing. It's more than a good good set. It is the very presence of the of the living God moving through them as the anointing flows from them and begin to touch and prepare the ground for the for the seed of God's word. We are spirit-led people. You can't do the work of God effectively without the God of the work. What is his vision? His vision is partnership. I need you to partner with me as we go forward. Vision is not based on my ability. Vision is not even based on my resources. There's a friend of mine that he was a fantastic Cajun cook. It just helped because he was Cajun. He had a desire to have a restaurant so that other people could enjoy his delicacies. And I told him, I said, brother, all you've got to start with is a vision. If you'll start with a vision, then, then God can take that vision and he can move it forward. He can, he can, he can take it, but he's got to start somewhere, and he starts with a vision. He started with Joseph, and he said, Joseph, i got a vision for your life. You don't understand it. You think you do, but we're going to blind you to some understanding supernaturally so you can come to a revelation when I open your eyes what it's really about. There's some divine blinding that's gonna that's happened, and there's gonna be some. It's gonna get to, to us some divine opening. But see, so often we get stuck in the now. The right now. We get stuck in those places, in us to say, "Well, I don't see it." Go ask Abraham and Sarah. You struggle with something for long enough, you, you start to find other alternatives as to what God really meant. <laughs> well, the Lord really meant that. <laughs> no, that's not what he said. <laughs> he didn't say go take your concubine and, and produce an heir. He said the heir will come from your own body. The heir will come from the person who will take over for you will be a supernatural occurrence that takes place for a supernatural reason. See, with vision comes provision. With vision comes provision. Now, Joseph had his part in this story. Joseph had his part in this journey that we're going to look at in just a moment. But in that journey, it was the Lord repeatedly in the Word of God that says the Lord was with him. Now, if you're going to have vision, let me encourage you. The Lord needs to be with you. Amen? Amen? If you're going to fulfill the will of God, it's not going to be out chasing other gods. How do you know what God you're serving? By the one you're making sacrifice to. Come on. You want to know the God that you're serving? It's the one who gets your time, talent, and your treasures. It's the one that gets the most in in the volume of your life goes to the sacrifice of the one you're really worshiping. I don't worship any other God. I don't worship anyone. Maybe you're worshiping self. Dang, that hit hard. Just chew on that for just a minute. See, God's got to be with us. But see, God empowers us for his vision. God empowers us for his vision. Before I became a preacher, before God opened up the priest in me, 
I could not literally stand in front of a crowd and open my mouth and have any intelligible thought come forth from me. It's the truth. It's the honest to God truth. I had to give a book report in college one time, and I did it on um, CPR because I thought I was going to have a heart attack and die, and I need somebody to know what to do if that happened. And it was like my heart was beating so hard, I thought there was a cat loose, uh, loose in my shirt just going all over the It hasn't improved nowadays. But what I'm saying is this. See, God empowers his vision. Don't limit the vision of God by what you think you're able to do. Let the limits be set by what God's able to do through you. See, God, he brings provision for his vision, but he also empowers his vision. He empowers you to do what you need to do. But see, if you get lost in the wilderness of your understanding, when you get to the place of promise and you see those strong cities walled up into into heaven and the giants that are occupying the land, you start looking at your resources. All of a sudden, you are ready to check it out and go back to Egypt. See this. Denzel Hood, who we partnership in Puebla, he and Rebecca, he said one of those haunting things from this pulpit as he shared the story, and I'm going to move along here in just a moment, but just one of those haunting statements that I, I had to wrestle with to see if it was true. But let me give you the backstory that he shared. They were living in Oklahoma. They had to to go to the, uh, the capital in Oklahoma, Oklahoma City, and get some paperwork, documentation done. I don't, I'm not sure what that documentation was. But before they left, Rebecca had a word of knowledge. And that word of knowledge was this. Do not go to the state capitol, the federal building, um, until you get someone to answer the phone. So Denzel said, he's out there like on the horn, come on, Rebecca, get in the car, we got to go, we got an appointment, we got to get there, come on. She said, I will not, I will obey the Lord. And he said, do not go unless uh, someone answers the phone. And she called and called and called, and finally someone answered the phone. And at the moment they answered the phone and said, hello, that line went, bombing took place they would have been there at that time of their appointment they would have been there at the time of the appointment and Denzel said the Lord revealed this to me he said God protects his vision that was a haunting thing that I heard him say God protects his vision I'm not I'm not don't I'm not trying to reconcile your loss to that I'm just saying There is a vision of God for your life and a purpose. And I draw strength from that, knowing that God is in charge and God protects his vision. Do you know on that floor where the lady answered the phone, she's the only one that survived on that floor? And see, I've been in circumstances where it seems somewhat precarious in different parts of the world, and I always draw back to that. God protects his vision. I, my kids have been in places where doing ministry and such, and, and I say, Lord, you protect your vision, Lord God, keep your hand upon them. 
But let me tell you the importance of vision is this. Where there is no vision, people perish. Do you mind if I, I'm not taking from or adding to the word of God. Can I just, can I just, would people include you? Would people include your family? So where there is no vision, the family perishes. Where there is no vision, the church perishes. Where there is no vision, the co-workers perish. Where there is no vision, the state perishes. Where there is no vision, then people will perish. Youth groups will dissolve. Churches will come into conflict. The world will be in chaos. They will perish. They will not make it without vision. We must have and be in partnership with the vision of God. Fathers, hear me. You must have a vision for your family. You're the visionary of the home. Helen Keller says this, the only thing worse than being blind is having sight but no vision. See, because another translation of that same verse is where there is no vision, the people cast off restraint. You're not harnessed because you have no vision. You're not, you're, not, you're just, you, you cast off restraint. You just wander around. You just, let me tell you the, what's happened today in our society is we have homes where mothers and fathers have no vision for their family. How do I know that? Because there's no restraint. They're just wandering about. I cannot take any credit for this. It's only the grace of God. The home that I lived in as a child was hell on earth. Mom and daddy fighting. Mom and daddy divorced. Daddy, I, I smoked my first joint with my father. The, the, I'm raised at a home with a stepfather who was abusive in every possible way. And I didn't know it was the seedlings of what God wanted to do in me as he gave me a natural vision. And that vision was uh, to have a happy, healthy home. I thought maybe I'll get out and get an education and I'll gain some resources and that would equate to a happy home. Only to find out uh, that without the grace of God, I would just self-destruct. But see, what I didn't know is that the Lord, because from a childhood, God had put into my heart long before I ever knew him that I wanted to have children, and I wanted to raise them in a peaceful environment, and I wanted grandchildren, and I wanted every person in my family to be at rest. And then the Lord saved me from myself. He delivered me from Satan's hand, and he set me free from sin. And now that vision keeps carrying on and on and on because God is a God of vision. Now you may say, I have messed up entirely. Let me say to you, you certainly will without God. Without him, you can do nothing. Get real with yourself. Look in the mirror and say, hey, buddy, we're not doing this alone anymore. What did you do? I've got a big, massive screw-up. Because without him, I self-destruct. But through him, I can do all things. Amen? Through him, I can do all things. You know, part of the reason why I give God my tithe and teach my children to tithe 
is because I know full well if I don't if I don't tithe, then I, I'm, re, I'm I'm resisting the favor of God that He wants to put on me. I'm resisting the wisdom He wants to give me in finances. And I'm going to teach my children to tithe. You know why? Because I want them to buy the meals sometime. I don't want to pay their bills forever. You know what you're doing by not teaching your children to tithe? I'm talking about vision. You are perpetuating a poverty spirit to the next generation. You are robbing them of blessing. Oh, you're just greedy for money. Let me tell you, go to the Word. Amen? Go to the Word. And the Bible tells us, prove me in this. Prove me in this. I'm feeling a sub-series coming out of this sermon this morning. But anyway, because I want to get to the points. See, vision is not where I'm at. Vision is where I'm going. Vision is the target. It's the target. It's where I'm aiming. Vision is is saying I'm 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 setting my sights there. This is not a sprint where you can see the finish line. This is a marathon where you've got to envision the finish line. It, it, it's a it's a it's a vision of the end. It's a vision of where you want to go. It wasn't profound in the sense that the vision I wanted in the natural, I wanted a family, I wanted children. And when I came to know God, I, I began to pray for future generations. I prayed for, for generations that are yet to be born. I'm asking when they come into this world, they will be met by daily prayers prayed from this man and this woman. That when they step into the world, they will be clothed before they get a diaper on their body. They'll already be clothed in the prayers that has been invoked by heaven and to declare no to the world and yes to Jesus. See, that comes from a God-ordained vision. And it doesn't matter how royally you have messed up. You take that mess up. And you bring it to God, and he will fix it up. He will change it in the moment. There's many hard-headed preacher that never step into their calling till they get into prison. And they get so low that now all of a sudden they're like, oh, yeah, and there's this thing God has in store for me. So even in prison, they begin to proclaim the truth of God's word. Because his, his callings are without repentance. But see, we talk about the importance of vision. We talk about it to the point that it, it was been the guiding force of my life. It wasn't always what I, what I wanted, but also what I didn't want. What I didn't want was chaos in my home. What I didn't want is to pass an alcoholism and drug addiction onto my children. I didn't want the spirit of suicide to linger about on my kids. I didn't want depression to, to, to infiltrate their minds. I didn't, I wanted, and the Lord said this to me early on in my 
because my continual prayer was, God, don't let me screw my kids up. It's an honest prayer. God, please don't let me screw my kids up. <laughs> and God allowed us the privilege of raising our favorite people in all the earth. I love you. I love hanging out with you. You beautiful people. But give me a choice. I want to hang with my kids. <laughs> I want to I want to get on the floor and help my granddaughters get on my back and them them go tut tut pops, move it. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I believe it was vision that came forth out of Nora's mouth. I shared with you last week, four years of age. Got in the car and told her mom, said, Mom, every day I'm going to do something great for God. Then went home and asked her, Daddy, Daddy, what are you doing great for God? From the mouth of babes, a four-year-old, let me tell you, let me ask you this, what great thing are you doing for God? Let me tell you, if you're not doing it, then the vision is yet to be fulfilled. You need to write it down, put it as your target. You need to go after it with all of your heart and say, God, what is it you want me to do? Because your life will have a natural impact. It'll have a spiritual impact. I rode in today on the prayers of her great-grandfather, who was a Pentecostal preacher, who prayed for future generations. That's where I learned to pray for future generations. He, would get, he was known as a man of prayer, Brother Hamilton. He would get on his knees, and his, he literally wore the knees out in his pants, praying for his family, asking God. Let me tell you, church, we need that grace of God's intercession to rest on us again. To where we say, God, give me the vision for my people. Because some of you are sitting there right now. I've got to touch on it. I've got to touch on it. You're sitting there right now and you have been flooded with all the failures of your past. And you're saying, how in the world is this ever going to work for me? You start at repentance. And you acknowledge your part of the, of the reason why your relationship is not where it needs to be with your children. And you say, God, let the change come in me first, right here, right now. Whether they change or not, you have made a decision. I am going with God for the rest of my life. I will surrender to the Lord. And I assure you, through eyewitness accounts, through people I know personally, how that God takes what seems to be impossible to fix and he fixes it. Would you agree with me that vision is important? Then we also must agree that every decision needs to be based on vision. Every decision needs to be based on vision. Every decision, do I taste? No. Do I touch it? No. Is this going to further the kingdom of God in my family? No. Then I leave it alone. It's, it's that simple. Is If what I'm doing is going to promote the kingdom of God and advance the kingdom of God in my children's life and in those around me, then go for it. But if it's not, then I put it down and move on. I leave it alone and I say, no, I'm not going to do that. 
And you need to decide what is of the vision and what is not and let your decisions be based on that. Now there is Joseph, he's got from the beginning a vision. That vision there, as one person said, without vi- with vision without action is merely a dream. Action without vision just passes the time. But vision with action can change the world. See, you've got to put some action, you've got to put some, some, some shoe leather to it. You've got to initiate your faith in that situation. And you have to decide what is vision and what is not. Now, here is Joseph, and he gets this vision. It's a beautiful vision. Or it's going to unfold to a beautiful vision. <laughs> it only seems beautiful for him at that moment. So his brothers throw him in the pit. He gets betrayed by people that are closest to him. The people he should trust the most are the ones afflicting the harm on him. They throw him off in a pit. Now he has to reconcile. And I believe he came to the conclusion that the pit ain't it. Not good English, but pretty good preaching. Amen? See, so many times people get thrown in the pit and physically they can get out. But the pit stays in them. They come out of the pit, but the pit doesn't come out of them. So they carry the hurt from one relation, one situation, one church, one city, one town, one job, over and over and over and over and over and over again. Let me say to you, the vision has purpose and the pit ain't it. You can't fix it with another person. You can't fix it with another situation. It's got to be you that changes. It's got to be you because what is at stake? We're going to find out before it's over. The pit ain't it. That hurt that you're going through right now, you are not a victim. You are victorious through Christ. It doesn't matter the loss. There is glory to be revealed, God. And I'm not minimizing your loss. Understand what I'm saying today. But see, so many times people get hung up in the hurt. Maybe they don't grieve properly. Maybe they they listen to the voices of the pit telling them that those people hate you. And yeah, they probably do. They probably do hate you. They took Joseph away from his family, away from his father, away from his everything that he's ever known, and they thrown him into that pit. And there's no doubt it hurt. But we don't see complaint coming forth from Joseph's lips in the scriptures. We don't. Because the pit ain't it. But then we find him at Potiphar's house. And in Potiphar's house, it is disappointing. I am supposed to be ruling, but I'm the servant of the palace. I, I've got to serve. And, and I believe, folks, that when we find ourselves in those situations like that, and we, we realize that, you know, the pit ain't it, this ain't it either. But God hasn't forgotten the, the vision yet because he's the one that gave it. 
And so you got to learn to serve in the midst of disappointment. You want the favor of God? Start serving right there where you're at. Stop whining about it. Stop griping about it. Because your circumstance is not changing until God changes you in that circumstance. See, so often I want God to move things about and say, Lord, I, Lord, I, I need you to do this for me right now. I need it today. I need it like, give me, a, I, I wanna, I, I'll do whatever you tell me to, but I need it to happen right this moment. Just go ahead and fix it and let me be glorified and let me just walk in this and let everything just be wonderful. And Lord said, no, we got some work to do. I love Jeremiah, Jeremiah 29 and 11 was talking about that last week and how important it is to know the thoughts that God thinks towards us. But you know what the Lord was speaking to Israel in the time of Babylonian captivity? They were just a little ways into it, and he said, you might as well settle in because we're not moving yet. <laughs> go ahead and build your house. Go ahead and plant your fields. Go ahead and marry your, your sons and your daughters. Uh, go ahead and keep living life. Uh, but know this, I've got to, I know the plans and I know the thoughts. Uh, and my plans and thoughts are a little bit above your plans and thoughts. Uh, it may take a little bit while, a little while, Joseph, uh, but I need you to learn the lesson that you need to learn, and that is serving in the midst of disappointment. And you're probably not ready for advancement until you come to realize that service is the very heart of God. Because if you can serve when you are disappointed, you can serve when it's unjust, you can serve when it's not fair, you can serve when things are around you and you will not be stopped and the vision will not cease. There's been many a preacher cashing in too early. And the tragic reality is, is their kids didn't make it. Because it was disappointing and they didn't get to where they wanted to go. And then Joseph finds himself, see, because the pit ain't it. Potiphar's house is not it. I'm just learning lessons. What to let go of and what to go after. What to let go of and what to go after. And see, I know that Joseph overcame the pit because when the Potiphar's wife came along and decided, hey, Come, young man, Miss Original Cougar. See what I'm saying? Ain't nobody in the house. Ain't nobody going to catch us. Come on in here. Let's, let's. You know, if he was if he was living in the disappointment phase of his life, and he was living in the in the in the in the hurt part of the pit, and the pit wasn't out of him. He said, "How in the world? There is nothing left outside of my care and authority." How am I going to sin against my God and forfeit the vision is what he said. Just let go of the vision and sin against God. I won't do it. So he ran out. Well, you know, Potiphar, slave girl or mama, <laughs> you're, going to the, you're going to prison. Now it's really unfair. It's really unfair. So what does Joseph do? He sits down and has a pity party. No. He just gets back to serving. See, because he learned in Potiphar's house, he just served. And the Lord was with him. And the Lord was with him. And he came to the place and he realized, wait a minute, the pit's not it. 
In fact, Potiphar's house is not it. And the unfairness and the unjustness, uh, injustice that I'm suffering right now, this is not it either. This is not the vision God gave me. But then the Lord, 22 years after the fact, is a whole lot further than 22 years ago. I didn't throw my back out laying in bed or whatever nervous. A friend of mine told my son Jacob, said, your dad walks. It looks like somebody's pulling on his left ear all the time. I said, shut up. I resemble that remark. My son still, if anybody knows my son, he's six foot four. He outweighs me by 30 pounds. When he gets close to me, I'm like, don't mess with me. I got all my stuff together. Don't shake me about. Any little rattling and I'm out of, out of sorts. Leave me alone. I thought 22 years ago I would be better suited for the vision God has. 22 years ago I thought, here's Joseph, and he's like, I'm, I'm, not, as, I'm, not, I'm not that kid anymore because, see, the, the pit's not it. Potiphar's house is not it. The prison's not it. The vision I had and my understanding of it is not it. And even the palace that I'm occupying right now is not it. But God's reminding him of vision. You just flip over a couple of chapters and you'll see the reason for the vision. Now, his brothers threw him in the pit that started the whole process of him ending up where he ended up. But after he reveals himself to his brothers, because they still didn't recognize him, he finally had to say, it's me, it's me. See, because they never expected him to rise above slavery. Let me tell you, you gotta have, you gotta be a part of the body of Christ. I just don't know how you're gonna make it without the body of Christ. And any isolated spirit that says you, you can make it without the body is a lying spirit because you got to get around people that see you better than you see yourself. you got to get around people who operate in the fivefold ministry of the church, apostle, prophet, teacher, evangelist. you got to have those words spoken over to you that's saying, I can see you. I can recognize the call in your life. I can recognize the anointing in your life. Let me encourage you. You know, you, maybe you're not where you need to be now, but, but, but you can't get there if you just keep following after God. you got to have people that recognize the anointing that is on your life and point it out to you because in the world you're not going to get that. In fact, there's going to be such a jealousy that they're going to hate you because you're wearing the favor of your father. And they're going to do whatever they can to throw you in that pit. But Joseph said, look, you didn't put me here. They're going to be like, yeah, they did. <laughs> I got back and you were gone. You're he said, you didn't bring me here. You got to know who brought you where you are. He said, God brought me here. He allowed that journey to take place so that now 
is where you belong. That your physical life may be preserved, but that the covenant seed of Israel may spiritually be preserved. If I could give you something today, if the Holy Spirit would allow me, I would take it in the biggest dose I could get. I would take vision and I would shove it deep into your spirit. That your eyes may be open. That you stop and realize that your life has value. That you're called to be a part of something bigger than yourself. And I'm pleading with you on behalf of your children and your children's children. I'm pleading on behalf of the generations that have yet to be born. Please, please on their sake, let God show you his vision for your life. Oh, I believe that greatest tragedy that will take place in all of eternity and some of them are experiencing it right now is that when you hit hell everything that the enemy blinded you with he was welcomingly opening in your eyes to see all the missed opportunities in all the generations that will perish because of what you did I'm asking you please I'm asking you Please be faithful to the fact that your life is worth everything. And that God has a natural vision to give you a home that you dream about from a child. He's got a, he's got a future for you that you can't even fathom. He's got you here. He's taken all of my wreckage. All of my failures. And he didn't wad them up and some some big, big stick to beat me over the head with. No, he's taken it and he's rewarded me. He's given me more than I ever deserved. And it's not because anything other than I did just to receive his grace so that I could do what he's called me to do. He said, God, let your grace, let your grace empower me. Let your grace empower me. Lord, how do you want to finish this? How do you want to finish this, Lord? Oh, merciful God, let's just stand right now. Just lift your hands to heaven right now. Lift your hands to heaven right now. God, God, show us, show us, show us how you want to finish this. Lord, show us how you want to finish this, Lord God. Oh, Joseph remembered. I believe two things are about to happen in this altar right now. God is going to bring remembrance to the vision that he gave you. See, because I'm sure Joseph got caught up in the hustle and bustle of life. We got seven years of plenty, and now the famine's come, and we got we to gotta dole this stuff out. Come on, we got to dole this stuff out. See, Joseph's life was, he, he's naturally preserving the world, but then he's going to supernaturally preserve the entirety of the world. But he's, he's, he got caught up in the busyness of it, just... I don't know. Give them a give them a gallon. I don't know. Give them two gallons. How big's their family? Come on, just just the just the mundane things. And lo and behold, his brothers show up and they kneel down, huh. just like you said, Lord. 
just like you told me they would. Now, Joseph, you can read the text. He had some stuff he had to work through before he came to the final conclusion. But I believe somewhere in there, God spoke to him. He said, you didn't bring me here. Yeah, his brothers initiated it, but ultimately he's saying, I'm not putting you in charge of my life. I'm not putting you in charge of my life. My stepfather brought me here. Maybe initiated, I should say, but God brought me here. My father committed suicide. There were some things. There were some things. I won't go rehearsing them, but what I'm telling you is they didn't do it. They didn't bring me here, and they can't keep me here. It is God who's in charge. It is God who's in charge. I want you to be free. In this year, to release the vision in your life. I want you to, this morning, fathers, I want you to be the first to respond. If you haven't had a vision for your family, it's time to come and repent. I'm going to give a vision to the mothers. I I don't want you to walk out of here in condemnation. I want you to walk out of here in a new resolve. I'm going to do what God empowers me and graces me to do. God right now is awakening vision. He's awakening vision. He's awakening vision. He's bringing to remembrance the vision, and he's also awakening fresh vision in someone's life. But if you're in this house right now and you say, God, I need that. Lord, I need your vision. It's been a prayer of mine for weeks. God, let me walk in the fullness of your vision. Come on. Come on. If that's you right now, come on. Step out. Step out. I'm going to encourage you right now. Because of all the groundwater, we've got a little bit of water that's coming up. So if you kneel and you get wet, it's not something supernatural. Uh, This is just water in the floor. We'll dry it up. But if you're here today and the Lord is speaking to you right now, step out. Step out. Say, I need vision. I need vision. I need vision for my life. I need vision for my life. I need vision for my life. Some of you need to need to put the pit down. Some of you need to let the pit come out of you. That hurt needs to remove from the from the vision God has for you. Some of you right now, come on. Come on, the, uh, the injustice, the disappointment, we're laying all of that down. We're laying it all down today. Let's say, Lord, I'm going after the vision. I want the vision of the Lord. I want the vision of the Lord. God empowers his vision. God provides for his vision. And every decision you make needs to be based on that vision right now. Some of you have got regrets because your children are not where they need to be. Turn it around right now and say, no, I will follow after God. I will trust the Lord today. Worship team, make your way up. Matt, I want that song to sing. Is Matt still here? I want that song that you were saying, my one desire, my one desire. Oh, I'm telling you, the touch of God is on that song. Let that be your prayer this morning. God, let be my one desire. Be my one desire today. Come on, come on, folks. These altars are open. God's moving right now. You will not leave like you came in Jesus' name. Vision is awakening. Vision is awakening. The devil's not going to beat you over the head anymore. Vision is awakening. You are not defined by the sum of your failures. You're defined by the sum of his successes. You will be changed by the power of the anointing of God. Come on, God is opening. He's anointing eyes with eyes sad that you may see clearly. Oh, merciful God, mighty God. 
Hallelujah. Please don't leave this altar until I have a chance to pray for you. There's going to be 